Hi, everyone. Welcome to Off Mute. I'm Obella Braun-West, joined by a new guest co-host, Tenuity's SVP of Addressable Media, Colin Clevino. Say hi, Colin. Hello. Thanks I for having me here. <laughs> I, I won't do too much hazing, but you know, I, I go I'm off the I'm just glad you got my last name pronounced correctly. So I've, I've, known you, start. I've known you for over a decade. If I didn't get that right, then we're... That's, I've we're... known people for 15 years. They still mispronounce it, so this is a success. Yes. But enough about Colin. Today, we are actually chatting with media veteran and film producer, Justin Fegno. With close to 20 years of entertainment and media experience, Justin has produced feature films, an Emmy award-winning television series, Can Lion award-winning advertising campaigns, and more. In addition, Justin is a member of the Producers Guild, as well as an active member of the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. Justin, welcome to Off Mute. Well, thank you very much, and congrats on pronouncing my last name as well. <laughs> you guys, I, you're, you're I, a pro. <laughs> I'm gonna say with the, with a name like Obella, you gotta get people's names right. Like, come on. And we've known each other for ten minutes. Now I know we've known years. each other for ten minutes, and I still got it right. I'm I'm that good at my podcast hosting duties. Okay, Justin. So I gave you the spiel off mute, not your typical industry type of podcast. So what we like to do, I like to call them games, where Colin and I are just going to ask you a bunch of different things. And we want your off mute, honest thoughts. And the first game that we like to play is word association. So I'm going to say a word. And I want the first thing that comes to your mind when I say that word. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. All right, first word, entertainment. Uh, exciting. Exciting, let's let's dig into that. Exciting in a terrifying way, like you're going down a roller coaster, exciting in what type of way? Well, I think it's uh, in a positive way. Uh, entertainment, like you're being entertained, right? So I'm sitting around, I'm bored, I wanna go do something entertaining, I wanna do something exciting. So entertaining can be a lot of different things. Uh, it can be a live experience, like a rock concert, uh, a sporting event, um, a movie theater or a live play, uh, or it could be something exciting in your own home, really. I mean, we've all been in these cocoons for the past year, uh, and there's a lot of entertaining uh, and exciting, you know, pieces of content that, that are uh, sort of keeping us, you know, at bay and, and drawing us outside of our cocoon, at least mentally because <laughs> we can't actually go to live events at least not yet but uh, that's slowly showing up what is the the number one thing you miss from an entertainment perspective of doing because of the pandemic i i just love getting out uh and interacting i'm a very social person i'm i'm built that way um and as my kids like to say they they don't like the sickness because they want to go you know play with other kids and we we, we have not been allowing them to do that and us ourselves as parents uh, and as a professional, I haven't been doing that either. It's been through these, you know, Zoom or phone calls. And and um, uh, although it's nice to see faces, but I like to go see places and then put faces together. Do you think that entertainment is forever changed because of what we've been going through the past year? Or do you think it's going to rebound to kind of be what it was prior to the pandemic? 
Well, I think it's it's shifting for sure. There's definitely a paradigm shift. You know, entertainment in its raw form traditionally has started out uh, in, in forums or in large gatherings, and then it slowly got back into the house, uh, you know, even in the 50s or 40s with the advent of television, or even before that with radio, you know, those fireside chats and radio broadcasts, people would just sit around and listen to the radio. That's what's exciting about entertainment. It's, it's constantly changing. You know, look at esports, for example. Video games were just kind of like something you did by yourself. And then it became something that was the two-player game. And then beyond that, there was massively, you know, organized video games where you could start playing through the internet and you'd start playing people in other cities or other countries. That, that became like a shared experience. And now there's auditoriums or stadiums being built for esports to just go watch other people play that's really what what it's for and so that is a big shift uh over the last 30 40 years just video game live sporting events like roman coliseums people would gather in large stadiums to watch you know christians be eaten by lions or what have you back in oh the my day. god this just took a this just took a turn <laughs> that, fast forward to now you know you see uh, the Super Bowl, where, you know, large gatherings of people watch, um, you know, people sort of on, on the battlefield, you know, football or whatever, baseball or basketball, hockey, etc. And so, but, you know, with the advent of TV, you could start watching that or have that experience in your own home or now on your cell phone. So everything has been changing and it's for the better. It's more about access. How can I access entertainment? And now there's so many different platforms to access it. In addition to just seeing these or witnessing these live, you know, the same is true with movies. That movie, movies have been around for 100 years. A, a lot of theaters existed already uh, because they were built for large scale theatrical productions like Broadway shows. And then pretty soon they just put up a movie screen and people could go as uh, the form of escapism to go into these large auditoriums. And then slowly that moved into your house. Like those things have all changed now. Um, but I think what uh, you're getting at is what what's what's changed that can't be unchanged, uh, and I think that might be consumer habits. Two years ago, I, I had the luxury of going out. I could choose. I could go out to a movie theater. I could go to a stadium and watch uh, these various forms of content. And then for the last year, I was confined to my house and watching it on my phone or on my laptop or on on a television screen. And is that gonna is that going to change back or is it just going to be, you know, that's it, you know, no more, no more shared experiences, no more live experiences. But I think people have the will to get out and experience things again. I know I do. I cannot wait. It's opening day right now for baseball. Yeah. I wish I was there. You know, I didn't get my ticket. It's sold out right now, but um, I do plan on getting back out there. Our, our uh, The stadium that's close to me, the Kansas City Royals, I can, you know, they're allowing 10,000 people there. They're all separated and everything like that. But I think a lot of people are excited to get back out and not watch it on TV, but but get back out there into the open. Yeah, I definitely think there is something for the the live experiences that people are going to want to get back out. And it's just not the same that you can recreate when you're sitting on your couch. But speaking of sitting on your couch, your next word, streaming. Oh, man. If I, if I have to say it in one word, I can't. There's so many off things mute. that come to mind. Go for it. <laughs> There's so yeah, many it, things that it, come to it's mind. Off, it's off mute. Say as, use as many words as you want to. <laughs> well, streaming, I mean, gosh, if you look at the numbers and I don't have them in front of me, but uh, I, I think streaming has like doubled or tripled in the last year. So it, 
it was a, a perfect storm coming anyway. It just was amplified by the pandemic because now you can stream everything, everything that we just talked about. Like speaking of which, you can now live stream the Hamilton production, uh, which was one of the hottest you know Broadway shows out there uh, for the last few years. And drove and then, up those subscriptions on Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And look what HBO Max just did. They said, hey, our next movies. Uh, for all of 2021 are going to be day and date release. They're going to be in theaters at the same time as your, as your house. And so now Wonder Woman 1984, um, uh, you know, Dune, which is a remake movie from the 1980s. Uh, I mean, there's a dozen movies that are coming out on HBO Max that people would, you know, wait in line for hours to get their ticket. And now you can just, you know, it's at the comfort of a click of a button or the push of your Roku. Do you think this, so like kind of playing off what we were just talking about with people going back, wanting those live experiences, do you think movie theaters are going to come back like they used to when you see what's like HBO is doing, HBO Max is doing with being able to release the, the movies to your home? Yeah, gosh, I, I sure hope so. But, you know, what's funny is there was a period where, movie theaters were getting bigger and bigger. I mean, there was these big movie palaces in the 20s, 30s, 40s, uh, and they were just single screen theater palaces. And then it became multiplexes in the 80s and 90s with the, you know, the rise of shopping malls and arcades and everything like that. You'd go to a movie theater and there would be like 20 screens and 20 different features playing. Uh, and when you would go in there, you know, each one would, would hold, you know, 150 to 450 people or more. And now what they're trying to do is, uh, and this has been going on for, you know, five, six, 10 years, is they make it more comfortable for you to go. So instead of going out to dinner and then you go to the movies, you now, it's all the same. You go have a dinner and a movie. And, but the theaters are smaller because now you're sitting in these big recliners and, and it went from 500 people capacity to now, you know, 25 or 30. Um, I, I think the shared experience, like there's nothing like going to a comedy um, a really funny Will Ferrell comedy and just uh, uh, just listening to other people laugh. And actually, I learned to laugh at certain things because of the movie going experience. I, if I was watching at home, you will never hear me laugh out loud and people like, you know, will poke their heads through the door like, what are you laughing at? You know, when you're laughing, like you're like being prompted by other people and it's 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 a communal thing and it's so much more fun to do that. Even horror films, you know, you you get scared because the person next to you is screaming their head off. You know, that that's actually as equally as frightening as what's on the screen. And, and you want those raw emotions. I think it's here to say it was, it was really scary in December. AMC theaters, which is one of the largest movie theater chains almost shut down. Um, and that would have been a very sad thing. I think there's one last, I guess, final act for movie theaters. And I think it, it's going to last a, a, a while. Um, so they're not going to go away anytime soon. Well, let's also thank, Let's thank Reddit for AMC's resurgence as well. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and hopefully if we can continue to get all of the Redditors to pump some money in there, they should be okay. Those Wall Street bros. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, last word. Can. You can decide. I could be talking about a Campbell soup can. We can be talking <laughs> about a can line. You decide. You decide which way you want to take it. But I, I was actually thinking about the Lions. Well, I have uh, lots of Campbell soup cans now stockpiled in my basement, so I can talk about that all day because uh, of the pandemic. I'm not a doomsday person, but hey. Uh, you got to be sure. prepared. Yeah, no no toilet paper, but lots of Campbell soup cans. Um, 
Yeah, no. So yeah, obviously, you know, Cannes has this rich history also. It's one of the oldest, you know, film festivals out there. Uh, but there's also, you know, the Cannes for the advertising community. There's, they have at, at Cannes in, uh, in France uh, on the Riviera there, they even have one for fireworks. So, you know, large resorts and buyers from all over the world show up on the shores of Cannes, France and watch fireworks go off in that little bay and then you know people are out there buying you know for for their big resorts in Tahiti or Hawaii or you know like the city of San Diego buys their you know fireworks right there or, you know somebody else in Europe or Russia or wherever it's a it's a big event it's fascinating um but they that have this amazing. I have yeah. I have never heard that never. that is yep. amazing they have something that can like every month you know so it's not just MIPCOM and MIP TV for television or the Can Lions, uh, which is, you know, in the summer for advertising. And then there's also obviously the March to Film, which is the film market. And then the Can Film Festival, they have everything else. So they have a big culinary, you know, festival. They have this fireworks thing I was just telling you about. It's it's great to go over there. If you've never been over, it's it's uh, it's amazing. And um, anyway, but yeah, Can is, um, is the largest market for independent film. Winning a Can, if you're an independent producer for movies, uh, is is like this, you know, winning the Super Bowl. I mean, it, it's bigger. You know, some people compare it to, or even think it's bigger than you know, winning an Oscar. And so, it's a very, very important thing. Uh, last year, it was virtual. It was not uh, all that exciting. Some people did get onto Zoom calls, and there was some bidding wars going on with feature films uh, for distribution rights, etc. Obviously, if you could have gone, you know, people would have been, been more than likely to go and it would have been a different experience, of course. But this year, they're planning on on doing it again, just like um, Tribeca Film Festival. Um, I believe Toronto has announced that they're going to have a live, in-person uh, film festival. Austin Film Festival just announced. Uh, sadly, we just passed, you know, South by Southwest, which is another really fun uh, film festival. It's also it also coincides with their music festival and their interactive festival South by Southwest does, but they, it was all virtual this year, but starting in, I think June is when Tribeca is going to have live in-person screenings for their film festival, which is really exciting. It's in New York city. Um, and then can, I believe is going to follow very closely to that. And then, you know, other festivals, you know, throughout the year, will all be back to live, which will be great, which is really fun. It's a good sign. So given everything that's happened this year, but also just the pace of how transformation is happening, what are your bold predictions for the future of media and entertainment? Wow. You know, I think what's going to happen is more and more people are are going to want to experience, you know, content, you know, via streaming. And that's just going to happen as it, that the writing is on the wall. The streaming is the future, right? And I think sadly... Uh, movie theaters, um, not immediately, not five years, not 10 years, but I think they'll, they'll sort of see, you know, the dust, just like the, the old movie palaces uh, back in their heyday um, will sort of go away. I think, you know, these things like esports, I, uh, you know, the, that's just becoming more and more popular, but, you know, it's tough to tell if that's a fad or something, but I think augmented reality is, is something, um, you know, customer experience or, or just like your experience, but outside of your house, uh, whatever shape that becomes, is going to be sort of the bold new way that the future, you know, is is unfolding. And this is kind of like not a real answer because I, I I'm, <laughs> I'm afraid of saying things that might be too trendy. Like, uh, I, you know, virtual reality 
I don't think we've fully scraped the surface of that. And this is like the second or third coming of virtual reality. The first time kind of failed. Uh, this is the second one that's, you know, we're kind of in the middle of, I just don't think it's, it, it's basically a repeat of what it was, you know, 25 years ago. And I don't think we've scratched the surface of what it could be. And you having to wear a helmet just is, it's too, uh, you know, it's too disruptive, like not in a, in a bad way, you know, it's just, it, it I, it's, yeah, it's disorienting. Like yeah. you have like a giant, you're wearing goggles and like all sorts of weird stuff on your head. Like that doesn't yeah. feel like reality. Yeah. And the price point the, right now is still pretty high. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, it's, not, it's, not, it's not accessible to everyone. Right. But the augmented reality part of this new technology is amazing. And the possibilities for that are endless because it's all through your phone. But I think eventually, you know, your real life experience and what you look at through your phone will sort of merge in some way shape or form you know once you have a fully immersive experience that's not two three feet away from your eyes or something that has to be worn around your head uh, when somebody figures that out a fully immersive experience where you don't have to look at a phone or or put on a helmet that's what's going to change and holograms yeah holograms there it is <laughs> uh, star wars already Pretty figured the first. Whole thing out <laughs> where do, that that so there's my hot take you know what is the fully immersive experience without the aid of this technology that that's really cumbersome and gets in your way? So this, we're going to switch gears slightly to something I'm really, a question I'm really excited to ask you because it's no secret that the entertainment industry has had a lot of conversation recently on specific people or companies, et cetera. Yeah. So remember, we're on off mute. So we ask we ask the tough hitting questions here. Bring it up. But <laughs> so professionally, what is the best and worst thing that you've ever worked on or person that you've worked for? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to say on the record. <laughs> no, like this no. I get to say I, I'm gonna hit the mute button. <laughs> Uh, no, no, no names, no names or actual titles included, but talk to us about the experience. Um, there are, you know, I think I'm like, I'm right in the middle. Uh, there's, there's this old guard of Hollywood that has thankfully been ushered to the door. Uh, it's the old way of doing things. Can we use uh, some names there for the old guard? No, no I, names. Their names, their names are, were in the headlines and they're either in jail or retired or passed away. Got it. Um, so I, I think there was, you know, for, a, you know, close to 80, maybe even a hundred years, there was an old way of doing things. It was mostly uh, dominated by, you know, male uh, producers or executives at studios. Uh, and this, this was also for television as well and radio and even it even trickles into advertising and other industries. Um, and I think in a good way uh, that has all been exposed and it's been, you know, ushered the door, like I said, and uh, sort of a new generation of content producers, whether it's for film or radio or augmented reality or what have you, uh, broadcast TV, broadcast commercials. Uh, a whole new generation has, has arrived and, you know, they don't, they don't stand for those things and they want to be more open and accepting and, you know, keep their eyes and ears open. Um, it's not a tattletale society, but it's a society that embraces these things head on and just is a little bit more understanding with 
you know, fairness uh, across the board. And I think as a result, not behind closed doors, because entertainment is very forward facing, you know, you're producing content that's, you know, somewhat art and artistic and that art artistic reflects the society that we live in or vice versa. And behind closed doors, there was just these evil people um, that had to get their way, uh, even though they might've been good at what they do, um, they just treated people very poorly at, at every single level. And so now you have people that have said, okay, we're not gonna stand for that anymore. Uh, we're gonna do things this way. And to be honest, I think the content is better and the entertainment is better. And um, you know, you didn't have to you know, stab people in the back and you know, threaten people or make people uncomfortable to get there. Now it's, you know, it's more out there in the open and it's more collective and it's, uh, it's a much better thing. Um, and we're all better for it, I think, for sure. And I think to your point, it's the it's the same type of awakening that's happened in a lot of different industries, like the advertising industry um, in particular, same, as you mentioned, same type of situation, people dead or in jail or have been ushered out. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's, although of course, because the entertainment industry is a, it's an industry where everyone is consuming it and the advertising industry is just a piece. It's, it's really been fascinating to see the similarities between what's happened in entertainment publicly and what's been happening in the advertising industry as well. Yeah, yeah, across the board, it, it's been that way. Um, I had some friends that worked in radio for a while. You know, a lot of those stories came out. I know people that worked you know, like an insurance, you know, like there, there's been this whole expose on like how, you know, anytime you have a pyramid where you've got, you know, you got to pay your dues, entry level job, and you got to sort of climb that corporate ladder. Um, certain people felt that you had to do, you had to act a certain way to, to get ahead and to climb that corporate ladder or jump a few rungs to get above other people. Uh, and that that is that is certainly not true. There's a lot of examples and, and present day examples of that where you don't have to, to follow that path and get to the same place. Uh, so so, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's it's all for the better. Um, I think it's time. Thank you for that. But I, I think now it's time for another game that we like to play here on off mute. Um, I know Colin, Colin got very uncomfortable with that last segment. He's shocked that I asked that question, no, but it's off it, mute. You have to ask questions like that, Colin. No, I thought it was a great question. A great response. I, I do think there's, yeah, like, I think the, the ugliness needed to be exposed and I'm glad that it is exposed and things are changing. It was a hard to pivot and create a segue. There. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play a game. You did. <laughs> You did a great job, Colin. You're doing great. <laughs> but uh, all right, so a game, a common game here played on Off Mute is the Lonely Island. Um, and so we want you to build your ideal TV show where you get to pick one person to star in it, one streaming service to release it on and have it uh, aired on or viewed on, and then one company to sponsor all the ads for it. What is that star, the streaming service in that company? Wow. Uh, I don't know why I'm thinking John Stamos. John uh, Stamos. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I mean, he is still a commodity. I mean, people love John Stamos. It's the hair. Wait, Col- His hair is amazing. I mean, wait, Colin, are you going to tell him your fun fact about Stamos? That I have a picture with him because he filmed Colin, in our office. <laughs> he filmed when Colin, 
when Colin and I worked together over a decade ago, John Stamos and who Michael Rappaport, right? Ma- Michael Rappaport. Yeah, they yeah. filmed, they filmed. And I happened, John Stamos, I've been obsessed with for years. I was out of the office. So everyone took pictures of John Stamos yeah. and put put them on my desk for when I got back. I was very upset. <laughs> I actually I came angry. across that picture the other day. I was like, wow, I did I, I met him. Ju- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good I choice. Mean, he he's so great. So like, it's tough not to, you can't hate him. Right. I mean, um, so I think John Stamos is the star. Um, you know, I think, gosh, you know, uh, everything on, I hate to say this, I'm going to probably get in trouble. I, you know, I think everything on Netflix is starting to look the same and smell the same. Apple, Apple really has a more I wish Apple was doing more and I can't believe they're not. And I think they have a more variety in terms of- They have of the money offer. to do it. <laughs> they do. They absolutely do. They could buy five Hollywood studios and just say, hey, go make content that you know we, we stand for and, and they yeah. would do it uh, well. And the stuff they put out there is great. Um, so I'm thinking Apple uh, because I just think Discovery Plus- uh, it's just more of the same. I'm just thinking of the streamers that are out there that are really popular right now. You know, obviously Netflix, Amazon Prime, uh, HBO Max, Peacock, Paramount Plus. Uh, apparently you can just add a plus to anything. Anything. <laughs> plus means streaming nowadays, right? <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, Disney Plus, exa- exactly. So I think Apple and their TV, um, Apple TV, Actually, I don't even, is it really defined? Do they even have a name for what their streaming service is? is I think it, it is it Apple? Apple I think it has, yeah, I think it's Apple TV. Because, uh, well, what's that, what's their like Roku platform or their Fire Stick equivalent? And that Apple TV also, that little box that you plug into the back of your TV? Is it just yep. all Apple same TV? thing, same thing. So, anyway, oh, no, I, it is Apple yeah. TV Plus. Apple, Apple, oh, <laughs> there you go. why didn't we think about the Plus? How did we I miss did. that? I forgot about the Plus. So, Apple TV Plus, John Stamos. What was the third thing? That's all you need. Like, forget it. Just, well, just have a camera rolling. <laughs> John Stamos on an island. Roll camera. <laughs> That's good. Uh, it was going to be the company to sponsor the ads, but who knows? If he's on an island, uh, yeah, you know, maybe some sort of coconut water. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's already done the yogurt thing, so get get that out of there. Um, you know, I, I don't want to see him drinking, you know, Modelo beer or anything. I would think maybe he's got, uh, I don't know, El Pollo Loco or something or some kind of taco, you know. Uh, Chico. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I, I don't know what the advertiser is. Um, he's, he's got a great smile. So let's go with Colgate uh, or like a toothpaste. Yeah, uh, or like, or Pantene for his hair or something. Yeah. There I don't you know go. How, yeah. I don't know how he's washing it on, on an island, but who knows? Could be Pantene. Okay, uh, let's go with that. We got we have Pantene, John Stamos, and amazing. we have uh, Apple, Apple TV Plus is the streamer. This sounds like an amazing show. All right, thank you. I was gonna that. say, I feel like I, I feel like this? I, I was gonna this? <laughs> no, I was gonna say, please copyright it and bring it to life. I feel like it's yeah. a baked idea. John Stamos on an island with a a year's supply of Pantene and maybe El Pollo Loco. At can we the just same get? Time. Can we get a copy of the script once it, once it's ready? <laughs> uh, all right. And now to close things out, we're going to turn the mic over to you so you can come off mute and you can say whatever's on your mind. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think um, 
I, I'm a producer, right? So I, I just produce anything, whether it's a music video or um, content for online, you know, platforms or feature films for that matter and, and TV commercials or, um, or TV shows. So uh, I, I think entertainment is, is, you know, come a long way. I think there's a lot of untapped areas. I don't know what they are, but I think there's a lot of places that entertainment can go. Um, it's exciting to sort of be right in the middle of it, going back to that word exciting when I think of entertainment, because I do think there's a lot of positives, uh, coming our way with it. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm a father now of three. And so I think about what the future of entertainment, uh, or content is for them. Um, you know, just knowing I watch more children's programming now than I do adult programming, (laughs) Uh, and you know, uh, there's only so much, uh, baby shark or SpongeBob SquarePants or, you know, you know, door the Explorer you can take before, you know, you, you go a little crazy, but, um, and sorry for that baby shark. It's probably going to be stuck in your head. I was going to say, I'm singing it in my head right now. (laughs) Thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, but I think, I think, um, you know, it's, it's going to be fun for them. You know, we got them. Uh, for the holidays, uh, you know, like a, a Nintendo box that has 600 preset games on it. And I remember when I was a kid, you had those cartridges, you had to blow into Blowing them, them. <laughs> that dusty and they didn't work and, and you could trade them with your friends and all that stuff. But this, this 600 games uh, that they download uh, or that's already pre-downloaded on this little box that looks like an old Nintendo uh, si- system, um, you know, they got bored of it easily. And they like got like to the fifth or sixth round, you know, after playing it for 10 minutes. I was like, that took me years. That took me months. I had to like <laughs> reach out and like get those game magazines and like find out the secrets to, to, to jump levels and stuff. And, and they're so simple and easy now um, that they, their little minds just like conquered them so quickly. And, but, you know, obviously we haven't introduced them to like the you know upper echelon of, of gaming. And I don't know if we will, but the the point is is like we had sort of a simpler upbringing and things have gotten complicated really quick and um but i think you know with that those are just new and different challenges and they'll have new and different solutions to those and so just looking at how how life is for them and how it will be is is uh is a fun and exciting thing i i think about things differently now that i'm a i'm a dad than i would have you know eight years ago or however long yeah, I don't know how old your kids are, but mine are obsessed with YouTube. That's like their number one form of entertainment. They could just sit there for hours and not that we let them do that. Ever. <laughs> of course not. We we limit screen time around here, right? No, but it's funny because Justin, we also got, um, I have a five-year-old and we got him a Nintendo Switch for um, the yeah. holidays. And what he does is he watches YouTube to learn how to beat the levels. And then he goes plays and plays the game. The kid can't even read. So how he's figuring out how to find these things yeah. on YouTube to go, it's just fascinating how, um, how easy things can be now for kids. Um, oh, let from me, a content let me perspective. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me stop you right there. So my daughter who's, you know, just turned seven, she was asking me to help her with her math. I was too busy. So I said, go ask your mommy. You know, she was busy taking care of the other two kids, the, the two boys. 
And so what she did was she went and asked Siri. She got, ah. her, she got <laughs> one of our iPads out and said, hey, Siri, you know, what's five plus seven or what's six times four? And Siri responded and helped her with her homework. And we found her in there. I was like in her bedroom. I was like, what are you doing at her desk in her room? And I was, and she's like, oh, I'm just double checking my math with Siri. I was like, that <laughs> I, at first I was like blown away. And then I was like, that's so sad that we couldn't help you. Automated parenting. Yeah. I, I mean, there's an element of like, that's so sad. And there's an element of like, your daughter is a freaking genius for figuring that out. I take my hat off to her. Good for her. I love that. Hey, there's an app for that. <laughs> there, there's an app for all of that. Justin, thank you so much for joining us this week on Off Mute. We'll be back here every other Wednesday for more insights and unfiltered conversations. Thanks for joining us, Justin. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful. <laughs>